Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, I want to welcome uh, everybody. I want to welcome all of our guests from wherever you are. I want to welcome all of our attendees, and I certainly want to welcome uh, all of our precious partners. Uh, it's an honor to have you with us uh, today on this important weekend. So uh, moment of confession uh, right at the beginning of my talk. Uh, I was actually scheduled to be off this weekend. Uh, my older daughter and her husband, uh, Brandon Haley, Uh, had come in from Kentucky, and we wanted to spend uh, some time with them. And actually, this weekend, Beth and I will celebrate our 33rd wedding anniversary. So uh, I've had the privilege for the last 30 years to be married to my best friend and the absolute love of my life. And so we were planning to be off this weekend. We were going to launch into another uh, a new series for this weekend. But then uh, on Memorial Day in Minneapolis... And uh, another unarmed black man uh, by the name of uh, George Floyd uh, died at the hands of a police officer who put his knee to his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, And over and over again, uh, George Floyd kept saying that he couldn't breathe. And many of you know, all hell is broken loose. And I knew in that moment when that happened that um, I was going to have to uh, revise my schedule. Uh, I was going to have to uh, step back into the preaching rotation. And I was going to have to do uh, an important thing, which is to welcome uh, our congregation into a conversation about race. And it's been interesting because I don't really know how the word got out that uh, we would be having a different weekend, but I've received some texts and people have you know, they've thanked me for uh, being willing to have this conversation. And a few of you even have said, you know, I'm sorry that you have to have it. And I just even want to gently say, I'm, I'm not sorry uh, that I have to be here and be back in the rotation. And I feel very, very called that we would have this conversation at this important time. Uh, I want to say that I recognize really that it is my responsibility as the founding and the lead pastor to welcome us into this conversation. And I know this, I know that a lot of us are talking and a lot of us are watching and all of us really are traveling through a difficult time uh, in our nation. And some of what I've been reading has been interesting. Uh, One I was reading from this week suggested that uh, all of this has really been accentuated by the pandemic and what we've all been experiencing in COVID-19. And of course, it's been accentuated uh, by the additional deaths of people like Ahmaud Aubrey in Brunswick, Georgia, and uh, Brianna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky. And there might be even some truth to that, but I want to say here as your founding and as your lead pastor that I believe there's something more than just that. In fact, I believe there's something a lot more going on than just that. In fact, I have come to believe that there is an undercurrent, really, of inequality and something really ugly that's under the skin of our nation that's got to be addressed and something that's never really yet fully been plucked 
from our soul. And so what I want to do really in this time is I want to invite us into a nuanced conversation. And I want to tell you uh, this weekend that um, I almost have to train us really in what a nuanced conversation is because I almost feel like in our nation right now, we have lost the ability to hold many different things in tension. And I want to say that I resist the belief that to speak up on one side of an important issue signals a lack of understanding or empathy for another side in the issue. And I want to say that anybody that knows me as a pastor knows that they would never say that about me. And I want to tell you a little secret about me. Often when these things happen in our society or in our community or in our nation, one practice that I have as your pastor that many don't know about is I will often call people really on both sides of the issue. And uh, over the last week, uh, I have spent a lot of time uh, reaching out to many of the people of color that rep- you know that are in our church and just I've called them and texted them and and just reminded them that I love them, that I care for them, that I stand with them, that I'm angry with them. And uh, I've also reached out to a lot of the law enforcement community that's in our church to tell them that I love them and that I stand with them and that some of the the, the examples that we see taking place in our nation, I know that they do not represent those examples. In fact, we had something kind of interesting this week that happened. Many of you know that we've had a lot of protesting in our town. And uh, we had people in our church who were part of a peaceful protest. And we also had at that very same protest, people in our church who serve our community as faithful law enforcement officers. We have both sides of that important issue represented in our church. But I know this. I know that sometimes if you're going to take a stand, you first have to take a seat. And when I think about the scriptures that I've been preaching for, you know, 26, 27, 28 years, I know that the tenor of scripture reminds us of some important things in this moment. I believe it was God himself in the Old Testament that reached out to people who are sinful and broken and said this, let us learn how to come together and reason together. And I know the biblical writers in the New Testament say it like this, we must learn to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And I want to call us to that, not only, you know, as a congregation, not only as a church. And one of the things that I love about Community of Hope, and one of the things that I'm most proud about at Community of Hope, honestly, is that we have had over our years and uh, following our growth and following our development, we have nuanced an opportunity and an ability, I believe, to have difficult and important conversations and hold the tension that we feel in those conversations and yet love each other and learn together. And this is what I'm calling us to really in this moment. You know, I, I, I think that right now in our nation, one of the things to be honest and to be candid, but to be clear 
that really troubles me is that our nation is so divided right now. And, and we see things only in a red lens or in a blue lens. And, and I want to just stand against that kind of polarity. And in fact, what I want to remind us of today is that for every single one of us who self-identifies as a follower of Jesus, we actually serve and bow to an ethic of another kingdom. Paul, the great apostle that I've been preaching his words in this con- uh, congregation and from this stage for now over two decades, said that when we give our lives to Christ, we become citizens of another kingdom. And sometimes in our society and sometimes in our culture, right now what I see happening is that there's so much rhetoric, there's so much conversation going on about a red issue or a blue issue. And and I want to be one who stands up as a pastor and boldly reminds us that really what we should be talking about is the ethic of the kingdom as we all pray the Lord's Prayer that reminds us that we want the ethic of God's kingdom in heaven to have its full reign on earth. You know, it's interesting. The passage of Scripture that we were going to talk about on this weekend as we kick-started our series called Together uh, comes from Paul's words in the book of Ephesians. And if you've been around Community of Hope for a long time, you know that the book of Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. And it's, it's really a book that, that I feel like I was weaned on as a follower of Jesus right from the very beginning. And, and when Paul was writing this letter that would go out to the uh, churches in the Ephesus region, one of the things that Paul reminded, and, and one, one of the things that he did is he established how everything began. And he talked about, you know, how God loved us and how God had a purpose. And he talks about the beginning of things. And, and, and then he reminds us about the future and, and, and how important that is and that God will ultimately win the battles that we experience in this world. And, and I love the tension of that, that he reminds us of the past and he talks to us about the future. This past week when all of my family was able to be together again for some days and we had dinner together, I, I was sharing some stories with my family about my mom and my dad and how they came together and how they fell in love and how the story began. And, and it's so important in this current season of my life to to know everything I can about, you know, how our family came to be. And this is almost what Paul is doing. But then Paul talks about the present. And he reminds us in the present that there is a battle for the soul of the kingdom. And that when we enlist into God's, you know, kingdom, that Paul says that we're invited into that struggle. And I want to just read this passage of scripture, because over these last few days, I've seen it in a very unique light. And and I want you to listen to it in light of what we've traveled through as a nation in these last 
challenging and sad and frankly frightening days. Paul says this, he says, I urge you, I urge you as a prisoner for the Lord to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Become and and be completely humble and gentle and patient. Learn to bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all of us who is over all and through all and in all. And it's just interesting to me real quickly that he says we should live a life worthy of our calling. And and he's not talking to pastors here. He's talking to you and me. He's talking to every follower of Jesus that our lives should be different, that we should learn to resist the gravitational pull of our society and of our culture, and that we should learn that our culture doesn't dictate what we believe, but the kingdom does. And then he says this, we should learn to be completely humble and gentle and patient. And one of the things that I think is that Jesus had the power to stand and speak because he had spent so much time sitting and listening. And he modeled a kind of humility that enables us to break through the barriers that are plaguing us in our society. And that because of what Jesus has modeled for us to, we can learn from his example and we can sit with one another and we can learn together. And then Paul says we should bear with one another in love. And when he uses the word bear here, really what he's suggesting, honestly, is that we should hold one another up. We should, in one sense, learn how to tolerate one another, but we don't stop there. Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to tolerate a person, but if you've ever been tolerated, you know that's not a great feeling. And Paul isn't really suggesting that, but he's saying that we should learn to bear and hold with one another as love between us grows into something beautiful. And then he says, finally, we should do everything we can to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this is Paul's way of saying we should acknowledge our interconnection. We should stay together. And we should keep staying together. And so this is really a big and important weekend for our church because it's a big and important weekend for our nation. And I want to be the one that invites us into a broader, bigger conversation of understanding. And so to do that, I've invited some friends of mine to join me on the stage for just a very honest conversation about what they have experienced and what they have been feeling as a result of what we've traveled through as a nation over this past week. And we're going to start with the side that I think has the skin in the game 
right now in this conversation. And so I hope that wherever you are, you would welcome with me my good friends, Kat O'Connor and Lynn's Georges to our stage at this point. So first of all, I, I just want to say, um, you know, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you that you'd be willing to help your church enter into a conversation that's important. And I want to tell you how much I love you and I respect you. I already loved you and respect you before. And, and so many in our church family love and respect you because we see you all the time. You guys are leaders. You're worship leaders and you have the moral authority and the friendship and the love to have this conversation. But this is really important for our church and important for our time. And so I'm just grateful. And, and I want to begin really by asking, and Kat, I, want to, I just want to start with you and I want to ask you, so what has it been like to walk this journey as a nation over this, over this past week and what you've seen and what you've experienced? This past week has really been tough. Um, I'm actually experiencing this at my own job. Um, I'm property manager. And I remember the first day I started at this property, it was me and my boss. And the board member comes in and he says, you know, we used to have five board members. He said, now we have three because two of them said, I do not want to be on this board if you hire this African-American property manager. Because she does not belong here. And I remember my manager sitting there and she's just looking like, oh my gosh, did he just say that? And he was like, I'm letting you know now they're very racist. I I need you to always document and always do this and do that. And she said, Kat, um, she said, you don't have to do this. She said, we can leave now and we can get someone else. I said, no. I'm going to stay. Because so this is going on right now in your work Right world, now. Right now. And in then my, all this other stuff. Yes, happens. and all this at the exact same time. So it's really tough. Part of me is like, you know what, let me just leave. And another part of me is like, no, I want to yeah. stay. I want to fight. I want to make a difference and let yeah. you know, you know what, you can't do this. Yeah, yeah. So My goodness. I mean, Linz, how about, how about you, man? I mean... It's um, it's been a uh, tough week, um, and the one word that I uh, well I didn't say week, month. If you kind of put together the uh, situation and the tragedy with um, um, Ahmad, you know, yeah. about a month ago, and then you know you you couple that with COVID nineteen and all those stresses and what's yeah. going on, and now you have this yeah. that's happened in Minneapolis. Yeah, um, it's been heavy on my heart because it's a here we go again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. We have to experience this again. And when I say experience, it's seeing someone that looks like you. Yeah. Seeing somebody that you could potentially see as your father. Yeah. Your brother, your uncle, your son. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, and seeing those images, 
I really had a hard time uh, because the reason why it was so heavy is because now you have to have this conversation at some point. Yeah. I have three beautiful, beautiful kids. Yeah, you do. Uh, shout out to Jathan, Jalen, Justice. And, um, and that thought and that heaviness is at some point I have to have this conversation. Right. Um, I've been absolutely reluctant to even show them the video because I don't want to keep repeating that right. site. Those right. terrible nine minutes. Yeah. Um, of a man losing his life. Yeah. Um, and it was just really heavy on my heart because now I have to have this conversation yeah. again. Yeah. Um, or explain to them the reasons why, why does this keep happening? Right. Happening. Right. Or even just for me, for me personally. Yeah. Um, the question is why do people see me as a threat? Why do people see me um, as, you know, I'm already a big dude. <laughs> yeah. And so now you couple that with the color of my skin. Yeah. It makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so it's been tough. Yeah. It's been tough. And I think I, I mentioned it to you um, that when we were, when you um, asked us to do this, that um, I didn't want to be the only voice in here and I know probably cat probably felt the same way that we didn't want to be the yeah. um, only voices to hear. And so I asked a beautiful young lady uh, this week how she was doing. Yeah. And um, she says it hurts because it brings back all these situations in her life. I mean, in what she's experienced. Yeah. And one of those experiences was her son coming home from school one day and saying another student told her that black and brown crayons don't matter. Um, man. And she tried to encourage him to say those colors are part of the beautiful colors in the rainbow. They're part of part of what is beautiful. Yeah. And um, she did her best to explain to him the importance of black and brown. Yeah. That beautiful young lady is my wife. Wow. That was my son. So it's been, um, it's been a little tough. It's been a little heavy, um, this week. Um, again, when you think about this, the tragedies that are happening and you having this com, you having these conversations as we say, as it's even that we're having now. Yeah. Um, it's even harder because my youngest son wants to be a police officer. Yeah. That conflict. Yeah. You know, there's a conflict. Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys is, um, because I think right now for those of us who are white, you know, and those of us, you know, who are watching these things and, you know, seeking to have a better understanding. I've been in a lot of conversations this week, trust me around all this, I, I would just be curious. And I think, I think our, our listeners, our congregation and those listening would be curious. I mean, both of you mentioned the conversations. Could I just ask you to crack the door and tell me what does that look like? I mean, I, I want to know and better understand what, what does that look like to have a conversation? I know each of you have kids and I'm sure this is something right now that you guys are talking about. And because I know you both and I know you both are good parents you have to measure that conversation 
You know, I remember when our girls were little, we used to talk, Beth and I, all the time about we would, we would not put anything on their shoulders. It was too heavy for them to carry, but, but we wanted to always be truthful. I mean, what is, what does that look like right now for you? I mean, Kat, what, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're talking to your kids right now. What kinds of things are you saying? Well, uh, a while back, my, my oldest son, Elijah, he's now 24. I yeah. remember two years ago, he was driving home at around 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And 12 cops pulled him over. And they said, we ran your tag and your insurance is expired. Yeah. And then like, no, it's not. We switched over insurances. And he said, when they came to the car, he just re- did what I told him. Always keep your... Everything at the, at your sun visor, just leave yeah. it there, raise your hands, ask for permission to grab your stuff. Yep. And they did. And he said, can I call my mom? And they let him call me. Yeah. And I told the officer, I said, listen, we switched over insurances. I said, yeah. I just went in the system. I added the new number. His license, everything is fine. Yeah. Can you please run it again? He said, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And my son was like, mom, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And it's funny because now I keep him and all the kids on Life 360. Yeah. And they're like, why are you following me? And I'm like, because I'm terrified. Yeah. And when I was on my mini honeymoon on Monday, Elijah called me like around 1135 at night. I jumped up and almost fainted. And Michael's like, calm down, calm down. I said, it's Elijah. I'm scared to answer the phone. Yeah. He said, answer the phone. And I was like... Elijah, what's wrong? Are you okay? He said, Mom, I'm fine. I just want to thank you for being a wonderful mom and let you know I love you. I was like, but you freaked me out. I'm sitting here (laughs) shaking to death. And Mike's like, you gave your mom a heart attack. He said, Mom, I'm okay. Yeah. You 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 can watch me. You see me on the app. Just pull it up. You know where I am. And I said, you're going to have to bear with me because... I am terrified. And yeah. just like my son Elias with his poofy hair, yeah. and he he's wears it because he just loves it. But yeah. some people will look at him and say, you know what? He's probably a criminal because yeah. look how he has all the wow hair and stuff. And, and I'm like, you know what? It's really not fair. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, we hear we hear that. That's something that we hear in our culture. But you you have personal experience with that. And, you know, I have, it's interesting you, you mentioned being pulled over. I have a pastor that I know and respect greatly. And, uh, he was talking to a member of his team who's, who's black. And he asked him, he said, he, he asked him to tell the congregation, he said, tell the congregation, you know, what, what you have said to your kids when they, should they get pulled over? And he went through very similar routine of what you mentioned. And, and then the pastor, who happens to be Andy Stanley, said, um, let me tell you what I tell my, I've told my kids, which is pull your car far enough off the road so that nobody hits you from behind. And just in that, you know, the disparity between, you know, those conversations, it, 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 it points to what I think we're all trying to wrestle with, what we're all trying to get a better understanding of is that there are just some things that are different. And this is part of the tension and part of the brokenness that's in our culture. Linz, I mean, what are you, what are you telling the kids? Well, one, we're telling them that, um, one, uh, they are precious in, in God's sight. Yeah. They are loved by Jesus. They are loved 
no matter what the color of their skin is, yeah. no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, God loves them. Yeah. Um, and two, we we tell them in times like these, or even more so um, in times like these, that not all police officers are bad police officers. Right. We need police officers. We need That's law right. enforcement. We do. Uh, we have a lot. I have a lot of them that are family and or friends. And, right. um, and they are my brothers, and I love them. Yep. Um, and so we have to mention that to them. And we also have to tell them and oftentimes instruct them, hey, this world we live in is not perfect. Right. It's not what, you know, we try to nurture them in a way where they don't experience those yeah. things. Like I said to you before, um, I don't know if I ever will show them the video. They may see it at some yeah. point in time in life, but I'm yeah. not going to. No, I understand. And um, because I don't want, I want to preserve whatever innocence they have yeah. as much as, as we can. Um, but at some point in time, that conversation has to be had. Yeah. And my wife, Patrika, has done a wonderful job. Yeah. Um, when I even had a tough time this week, she said, I've had that conversation because they were talking, they were seeing the protests and everything that were going on. They were asking, well, daddy, why? What's going on? Or mommy, why? What's going on? And so Patrika did her best to explain. Um, but it's been really heavy, of course. Yeah. But, you know, we do the best we can. Yeah. Um, even your explanation with Andy Stanley and yeah. and the, the worship leader, um, you know, I <laughs> I've had many situations where I've gone and played those scenarios in my head whenever I've been pulled over, not so that I wouldn't be agitating or agitate or or show myself. Yeah. Because in my head, I said, "Listen, you can fight this in court. Just go home. Yeah. No matter how wrong or right." Yeah. This person is because you never know. And in most encounters that I've encountered, praise God, I haven't had that bad cop, quote unquote. Right. Um, I, I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, that I remember when I heard that, that was incredibly challenging to me. And I have to tell you, I mean, I heard that, I don't know, four or five years ago. And so here I'm a grown man that never entered my mind ever should I get pulled over? And y'all know how I drive. So that's like, you know, that's like something that could happen. And I've never one time thought of that. And when I heard that, I thought, gosh, and I appreciate what you said. I mean, honestly, this is not, again, I've, I said my message earlier, right? I resist the polarity of that. We can't have empathy on either sides, you know, and, and I did a lot of reaching out to our officers this week. And, you know, man, I had an officer call me in our church and say, you know, we're not trained to do what we saw. And, and, and I, I remember telling her, you know, I mean, I know that. I know that. And I know you would never do that. But, it, but, but all of this right now in our society, it is pointing to something that needs to be unearthed. And we need to have a deeper conversation about this. And you know, I, I just want to ask kind of a bold question here because, you know, I'm, I'm the white guy on the stage. And uh, I, I want to know what you guys would say to, to, to me as a Caucasian, right, as a white guy, about how I can enter in and how I could be of help and how I could better understand, you know, because, you know, Kat, I was so moved earlier you 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 mentioned a good friend of yours 
she's also white and 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 she she has cried with you about all of this and you made a comment to her you said you know she said i just feel guilty and you said you know you have nothing to feel guilty for i mean yeah i told her i said you have nothing to feel guilty about i said um that's not you. You walk with me. You yeah. walk with my family. You love my family. Yeah. And she said, what can I do? I said, call them out when they, when they yeah. come to you and you hear them talking a certain way, call right. them out. Say, you know, you're wrong. Right. This is not right. Let right. them know yeah. right there. Do, do you have, can I, can I ask a, a question here? I mean, do you guys have to, in your own mind and heart, keep before you when you run into that, that you have to set aside that that doesn't represent everybody's belief or everybody's thought pattern. And I, I, I mean, I just, I, you know, is that something that you guys have to work on to do? Is that something that, you know, because sometimes we do see these things. I would tell you like your friend, I have felt guilty. You know, I have felt guilty because, you know, um, when I, when I was speaking with you both earlier and, 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 you know, there's a temptation to say, I understand. And yet the reality is I don't understand. Uh, I, I, I'm not ever going to understand fully the way you guys have to understand. And I'm just wondering what it looks like on, on your side of, this conversation around that kind of stuff lens i don't know um one of the uh biggest things that i would say to my caucasian brothers brothers and sisters is to um if you want to know excuse me if you want to know anything about a topic or a subject usually do research yeah right you go and find out you know your favorite football team find out when it was started you know you want to learn how to cook Want to learn how to cook? You know, Talk you go find your yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go see cat, right? right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I tell my brothers and sisters on the other side, I even hate to say that on the other side, but I tell my brothers and sisters, if you want to know more about somebody, talk to them. Yeah. You know, get to know where they are, where they're from, get yeah. to know who they are. Yeah. Um, learn about their culture, learn yeah. about, you know, there's there's a lot of books, there's a lot of history. Um, and unfortunately on this topic, um, you know, they don't teach this in American history, yeah. you know? Um, so there's a lot, but there's a lot of historians. There's a lot of information out there that can educate, um, folks to know what it was, what it is like yeah. to be black in America, yeah. you know, what it's like to have that. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's what I would encourage, you know, my brothers and sisters to do and to do what it is that you're doing right now, Pastor Dale, is just to open up and listen and, okay. and hear, you know, and don't feel like you need to, to apologize, you know, um, you know, if you know that you've loved in your heart, you know, you, you've done what you, you've done. Yeah. I, I understand that you feel that there's a sense of guilt, yeah. but there's no need to have that guilt if you know that you're pushing forward to right. to to really treat us as your your loved ones as your brothers and sisters in Jesus and so um other than education is keep loving yeah keep pressing forward like like Kat said accountability i think that's huge yep. you know accountability if you know that something that either it's in you know family or friends you know 
challenge them. It's okay. We do it with our brothers and sisters too. You yeah. know, if somebody were to come up to you and say something to you out of the side of the neck, I'd be like, hey, you better back up. That's, that's my brother. You better chill out, you know, yeah. because I know you. Yeah. I've gotten to know you. I see you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. there's an accountability that just has to to be happen on in, on either side. But, well, and you know, one of the things that I think about here too is is how we as a congregation move forward in this conversation. And one of the things I'm so grateful for both of you uh, in 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 this moment is that you know we and we like we talked about we said this is this is this is not a once and done. This is we are opening the door to a conversation of learning together. And it's been amazing, you know, when I think about our church and I think about our history, I. I I, th- I have seen people come into our church very very far from God, and you know, um, living the complete, you know, in every way what our culture is throwing at us. And I have seen such beautiful transformation happen in the hearts of so many people in our fellowship. And this is just another click in the wheel for us really. And, and, and to your point lens, I mean, how that's happened is people have come in, they felt love, they felt accepted. They've been able to be invited into an environment where they can learn and study and be vulnerable and ask questions with the right spirit and the right heart. And, and, and God just shows up in that. And, you know, I would just want to challenge our people that this, this is a moment not to step back. It's, it's a moment to step in. It's a moment to, you know, walk across the street and get to know the people that live across the street from you who don't look the same as you look. And maybe they don't even believe the same thing you believe. But as a result of this conversation, you know, they can come to know the one that all of us are serving, you know, in this moment together. And, that's what's happened in my life. I, I know that that's what's happened in both of your lives. And this is really, I think, a, a, what has to happen even more so, you know, in our fellowship and in our community. And I, I think if we can do that, before we close, would there, would there be anything else you would add to that with respect to, you know, our congregation and our church? I mean, this is your moment. How, how, could, we, how could we be better? What's important right now that we know? Well, my dad has always told me, as since I was a little girl, he said, you know what, Kat? You're not born racist. You're taught. And, and it's funny because my, my Christian, I call him my little nephew. as Keith and Courtney's son. And he runs up to me and he calls me Aunt Kat as if I'm really his aunt. And I'm like, yeah, mom and I got the same eyes. Absolutely. So it's, he's always taught me that, always taught me, you know, you, you got to pray. Yeah. Pray for them. I, I've watched my dad go through a lot. I mean, he was cum laude yeah. in seminary, tell the story. Tell and they would not allow my father to graduate as cum laude because he was African-American. So then years later, I think I was like 15 or 16, they decided to honor him yep. in, in the school in Washington, D.C. Actually, it's a big old yep. six by 20 poster yep. up against the wall, him in his cap and gown and me around his leg. And, um, and it's, you know, he, and he talks about it all the time. And he said, you know, it was it was challenging. He yeah. said, I 
they made me cut my hair. They made me cut my beard. And he was like, well, you can't look like this and you can't look like that. And he said, but I was not giving up because God called me and I was going to do this. And he said, and I had to, that day they wouldn't give it to me. He said, but I got it. Yeah. I got it. Well, you you talk about you have the same eyes as Courtney, and you know, Lindsay and I have the same body mass type. So, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely, we're often mistaken for one another the very same way. Right? When they see you, they see me. I mean, come on, brother. Thank you, thank you for that. I paid him twenty bucks to say that. Um, (laughs) Brother, is there anything else you you would say to us? You know, as our congregation that you serve in and that you love. You know how? Um, I would just say that we. just need to continue this conversation, Great. you know, Excellent. to continue this conversation, um, you know, it doesn't start and end with, with myself and Kat. Um, there's many other different stories. And like you said, you know, um, having the law enforcement or uh, folks in the congregation or law enforcement to have that conversation with them. Cause, um, like you said, there's a lot of them that are out there that, that don't agree, that doesn't agree with what went That's on right. and, and, and they need to be heard. That's right. Um, you know, and let us know, um, as, um, in the black community, what to do, how to go about it and just bridge that gap, right? We need to bridge that gap because there's a divide right now that we need a bridge and it starts with us in the church. Mm-hmm. Cause if we don't help to start this bridge, you know, to start healing the wounds the right way, yep. this will still happen again and again. Mm-hmm. And we are the catalyst for it. And I just, you know, I know we all agree with this. I want, we want to pass off to the next generation, right? Our kids, we want it to be better. Mm -hmm. And we believe because we believe in the hope of Jesus, we believe it can be better. But it gets better when we become willing Mm -hmm. to sit down, when we become willing to have the right conversation, when we begin willing to stand against injustice and to stand against racism and say, you know, not on our watch, not on our turf. And not, we're not, you know, and, and to eliminate these differences, right. you know, and, and I, I just, I honor you guys. I'm, I love you with all my heart. And I'm so grateful that you would be willing in this tense time as a nation to help your church family begin the right conversation. And I want to thank you for listening. And here's what I want to remind everybody. We are often when I finish preaching, or Pastor Trevor finishes preaching, we we always try to identify a next step. And we always tell people that right now in this season, you can text next to the number on the screen, you know, and you can find out what a next step is. But I'm going to give you a next step right now. We are actually in our church forming some of these groups that really come from this idea that both Lynn's and Kat have about needing to sit down and have better understanding and these are groups called Be the Bridge. We are, we are connecting with an organization, a Christian organization in our world right now, in our nation right now, that is doing incredible work helping bridge better conversations to end racism and end injustice that is going on in our world. And uh, we want to invite you to be a part of that. And here's what I want you to do. If you were to go to communityofhope.church slash Be the Bridge, you can fill out some information and be invited to uh, check out and receive some information about how to be a part of a Be the Bridge group. Uh, I, my sense is this is going to become very popular in our congregation, and so this is an opportunity for you to get a head start into that. 
And again, uh, Pastor Trevor told me we're going to put this on all of our social media sites. It's going to be on our web. It's going to be on our app. But you're going to go to communityofhope.church slash be the bridge. Join with many others in our congregation for this important conversation in this really important time. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to have an important conversation that will lead to greater understanding so that, God, we might be able to walk shoulder to shoulder with other brothers and sisters and never experience again the idea that one is different from another because of a color, because of an ethnicity, because of an experience. And I think of the words of the great Apostle Paul who said that in Christ there is neither slave nor free, Greek nor Jew, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. And so, God, I pray that over our church. I pray that over our church family. I pray that in the lives of of Linz and Patrika and their family and over Kat and Michael and their family. And that, God, you would help us in this important moment to do your bidding and bring your kingdom to earth. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you right here next weekend.